WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. A little more than a, a month away from the May primary. This morning, we're going to continue our spotlight on Charlotte City Council at large races. A bunch of people are running. We're going to speak to two more candidates, one familiar face and, and one newcomer coming up a little bit later in the show. But first, as we've watched the crisis unfold in Ukraine, many folks in the Carolinas have looked from afar for, for ways to help out. Local organizations like Samaritan's Purse on the ground there near Ukraine, chipping in, taking care of that flood of refugees. I also spoke to a, a former North Carolina congressman who recently saw the crisis firsthand. Joining me today, former North Carolina congressman Robert Pittenger. He now, we should say, serves as the chairman of the Parliamentary Intelligence Security Forum. Mr. Pittenger, thanks for coming back on. We appreciate it. Ben, great to be with you again. Uh, you, you've done great work through the years, and I commend you. Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. Uh, so you recently spent time along the Ukraine-Romania border. Specifically, you were part of a group there assessing the situation in the refugee camps. Uh, explain for us first the work you were doing there. Yes, sir. Well, I um, was there uh, to organize a forum that we will be having in Bucharest uh, this uh uh, coming July, and what we do is bring in parliamentarians from around the globe at each of these four. We've had 21 of them around the world, and the Speaker of the Parliament's host them, and we bring in experts on security-related issues uh, to address uh, the topics. So in going there, the chairman of the um, Defense Committee in the their parliament asked me if I'd like to go out to the border, and of course I, I said absolutely. And uh, so we went to the uh, Romania-Ukraine border and spent several days there, uh, saw the, how the refugees, uh, you know, obviously mostly women and children were being processed, the, the husbands and dads and, and were being, you know, retained there to conscripted to fight in the war. But it was, frankly, the atrocity of war, the, the suffering uh, is one thing, but let me just commend the multiple nonprofit groups, think the NGOs uh, that have gone there in earnest to help these people. The coordination has been outstanding. The government has done a remarkable job in Romania and dozens of these groups. And I, and I met with just about all of them while I was there and uh, saw them come, saw people come across the border, saw them being processed. You know, I had been, Years ago in uh, Jordan, with the refugee camp there, it was very depressing. There were like 80,000 people living in tents and uh, who had come out of the Syrian war. And this is totally different. Explain the conditions there that you just recently saw. Yes, sir. What we saw were a very orderly way for bringing these folks into the country, uh, having them uh, registered, uh, identifying their needs, assessing their con immediate concerns. There are dozens of nonprofit groups with booths set up. Uh, they provide transportation, food, clothing, anything that's needed. And then there's uh, a large area. In fact, there's about uh, 10 of them in Romania. And we went to two of the largest ones. And uh, these are camps. But these camps uh, are, they only stay there for about two or three days. And then they're taken by these nonprofit groups and uh, other officials out to other cities where they're in other countries, wherever they need to go. They are paid, they are driven, 
to get where, wherever they want to be, uh, to find a, a, a quality of life. So that there, you don't have tens of thousands of people uh, living in a tent city, which is what I saw in Syria. Explain uh, me, it sounds like it sounds like you're saying when you compare it to other experiences you just saw there in Syria. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like to me that that you feel like the American people and, the, and, and uh, as well as the countries of NATO should feel pretty good about the effort that's happening there. Globally, it's been a global response. And I met the, the dearest people, most wonderful people who had come in and just given their time from the Samaritan's Purse to World Vision to Red Cross. Uh, so many people are coming over here uh, to as a labor of love and uh, with their own resources uh, to support these these individuals. Politically, uh, what do you think is going to be the, the the solution to this crisis? I don't know that there's a, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know that there's a, a solution that is going to be appealing to anybody. I think uh, Mr. Putin is on the march and uh, reclaiming the former Soviet territory uh, is his legacy. Uh, apart from uh, him abandoning that, uh, he will continue to be the aggressor. Final question. There has been some disagreement within the Republican Party about how how to best look at uh, Vladimir Putin. You've had some people in the party um, talking to him, talk about him in, in more positive terms than you have others, um, like Senator Tom Tillis, who say says this guy's a brutal dictator. W where do you fall in that? Anybody who's naive to believe that that uh, this man is anything less than Stalin is uh, not looking with clear eyes. Uh, he is a brutal individual. And the, the, the toll that's been taken in that country and uh, attacking women and children as they're trying to leave the country, uh, apartments, uh, hospitals, uh, th there's no mercy in this man whatsoever. And all he cares about is, is claiming uh, a very nationalistic spirit of, of reasserting uh, the Soviet Union. Congressman Pittenger, thanks for coming on. Safe travels. Same to you, Ben. All right. Thank you, Ben. Bye-bye. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This morning, we continue our interviews of some Charlotte City Council at large candidates. Today, we're talking with Larkin Egglestead. Currently a council member for District 1, running for an at-large seat. Uh, I ask you a question. I'm asking all the candidates, first thing, your number one priority uh, if you get to elected to an at-large seat. I think it's a tough question between affordable housing and transportation. Um, but as the, the vice chair of the Transportation and Planning Committee currently, and with the departure of Mayor Pro Tem Julie Isel, who chairs it, uh, that's something I would hope to lead on. I think that's going to require a regional approach for us to get everybody in our in the greater Charlotte region on the same page for how we transform our mobility network, uh, both for people who use their cars, but also people who want to use transit, want to bike, want to walk throughout our community um, and get from place to place, hopefully without a car. And so I think that's going to take a, a regional approach that I believe I've had the opportunity to build those relationships as our designee on two of our uh, intergovernmental boards, one regionally, one statewide. Uh, and I think the the understanding of our transportation network that I've gained as the vice chair of that committee currently. So um, they're both 1A and 1B, but I think for me, they'd probably be more of a focus on the transportation piece. 
Um, speaking of Julie Eisel, she, she wrote an op-ed piece a few months ago uh, about the dysfunction on city council and how frustrating it was for her. For folks who, who share the frustration, um, why, for lack of a better term, should they not just throw all y'all out and start anew with, with some fresh faces? I think that if you look past some of the, the petty bickering that's taken place throughout this last term, and admittedly it has, I think the pandemic caused us to not be able to build and strengthen the relationships with each other in the way that we, we would have otherwise in person. I think that was detrimental. But the fact of the matter is, despite all of that noise and despite the, the things that got focused on in terms of spats between council members at times, there's a lot of work that's been done. I think we weathered the pandemic and came out really strong and are still looking to make sure that we help our small businesses rebound in our community. And as we move past this pandemic, We've, in the last four and a half years, since a, a new crop of us got elected on council, we worked with the mayor and worked with our other colleagues to more than triple the affordable housing bond. We've done so much on the things that we ran on um, and things that we could have never seen coming. We, I don't think, expected uh, that two years ago we would be undertaking an entire police accountability exercise and trying to work on public safety in the ways that we have. We certainly didn't know we were going to be facing the pandemic. So despite some of the, the headlines about people arguing, a lot of work's gotten done on the things that we said we were going to work on. And so, you know, I, I think that as far as throwing folks out of office, um, if you look at what's been accomplished, I think there's reason to keep a lot of us. Um, let's talk about social districts. I know it's an issue that you care a lot about. Uh, we see other towns uh, in the state doing it now that, that uh, Raleigh signed off on it. Uh, what's your vision about here in Charlotte and how do we make it a reality quickly? Well, we just talked about this week at our council meeting that we want to uh, launch a pilot for it. And I think that that would likely end up being in my district because many of those most walkable, sort of dense urban neighborhoods are in my district. Uh, however, I hope that it's something that we can replicate throughout the city once we prove the concept in a pilot. Because again, as we come out of COVID and as, as people are going to be maybe more prone to want to be outside now instead of inside of some of these businesses, our hospitality industry, which employs one in nine people in the Charlotte community, uh, is one of the ones that got hit the hardest during the pandemic. And it's it's just now starting to recover, particularly in our center city. So I think this is just another tool we can add to the, to the toolbox that allows them to uh, rebound and get back on their feet and back in a, in a position of strength financially. So, you know, I don't see why we wouldn't do it. We obviously need to take precautions. It's obviously not gonna work in every part of our city but in the places that already are sort of built for it, and I think we have several, um, I, I don't know why we wouldn't do it. So I hope we move quickly. Specifically, where would you like to see that pilot program happen? Well, it's a conversation that I've already started having with business owners in Plaza Midwood, but there's a number of places where I think it would be a good fit. So I'm open-minded to, to feedback I get. Um, not that it will be my decision, but it's something that I've, I've been focused on. And so because of my familiarity with so many of the small business centers in Plaza Midwood, that's where I've been having some of those discussions and bouncing some of those ideas off of them to get their feedback. I think that would be a pretty turnkey place to do it. Um, but again, I think we've got a number of places in Charlotte that would be good fits. Um, Four-year terms, it keeps on coming up. Should you guys get four-year terms? I think from a best practice governance-wise, four-year terms make sense. Um, it's not a hill I'm gonna die on if it's not what the community wants, but I think that you would get people that are able to make more uh, bold, long-range decisions that are more in the best interest of the community than in their own political interest. At times, I think people are gun-shy to do anything that is is bold or at times what needs to be done because they see election right around the corner um, from day one of a, a new term. And so 
Um, it's been frustrating to me at times to feel like that could be the motivation for folks. And it's why, you know, on a, a federal scale, you see U.S. senators at times take more bold stances than U.S. House members because they have six-year terms as opposed to two-year terms. I wouldn't advocate for six on a city level, but if you look at best practices around the country, um, a, a number of things about the way that our government is structured don't necessarily fit with what would be considered best practices. And I think it is something that should be considered, but it's, it's not a top priority for me. Uh, last thing, the best thing about Charlotte and the thing about Sh Charlotte that drives you crazy. Wow. Um, Charlotte's diversity. I mean, we are, are such a melting pot of a city. Um, one in five people in our community is foreign born. We have so many cultures and so many backgrounds and people from all over the country and all over the world that really come together and make something special. I mean, I think people, people quip about Charlotte not having some sort of an identity. I think that its identity is in its diversity. And so to me, we're not, you know, an identity sometimes is just a place being about one thing. We're about so many things. And I think we do so many things well and have so many unique perspectives in our community that, that it's really that we don't have one thing that makes us special. We have a lot of things. Um, the, the slogan that's been used for years is Charlotte's got a lot. I think it's true. The thing that's, that, maybe troubles me the most about Charlotte is not something that's unique to Charlotte, but I do think that we're increasingly becoming unaffordable for many people to live. And so many of the people that work in our community can't afford to live in our community. And I don't think that's okay. Um, it's not a problem unique to Charlotte. It's a problem in every major metropolitan area in the country right now. It's one we're trying desperately to tackle and trying with much more aggressive approaches than I think have been taken in the past. Um, but that's one of the things that I think keeps a lot of us on council up at night. Larkin Eggleston. District 1 council member running to be at large. Larkin, thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. We continue our interviews with Charlotte City Council at large candidates. And now we're talking with Republican Charlie Mulligan. Charlie, thanks for coming on, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Ben. Uh, my number one question um, What is your number one priority if you get elected? Yeah, well, I we all know, I think it's pretty well known about how Charlotte ranks for upward mobility. We came out, there was a study that came out that ranked us 50th out of 50 cities. That's my number one priority. Um, we can't have so many of the problems that we talk about, whether it's safety, whether it's uh, the division across our city, um, it's all caused by the fact that we haven't been good as a city about creating pathways for those um, who need uh, to move upward in society to get there. And that's, you know, that's caused by lack of affordable home ownership. That's caused by the fact that we have kind of, in my opinion, an establishment that I like to call the Charlotte way, which is that we kind of like things to look a certain way. And if you're not part of the in-group, um, I think it oftentimes it's very hard to get things started, whether you're trying to move upward in your career as a professional or if you're a small business owner. And so um, I'd like to see that change. I mean, I've lived in the city my entire life and uh, in so many ways, the gaps between the haves and the have nots have only gotten wider in my 32 years. Um, and I picture Charlotte as a thriving, multicultural Southern city. Um, and if we're gonna see that, we need to see much more upward mobility. So that's my number one issue. 
Yeah, to go along with it, I know this past week, uh, council talked about affordable housing like they, they have done for, for many meetings. Um, uh -huh. Discussed 600 new uh, affordable um, housing units. Tark Bakari said, this is like a drop in the bucket. We can't get ahead of this. How do we as a city uh, get ahead of the affordable housing crisis? I mean, we've got, we've got millions of dollars, uh, but that still does not get us anywhere close to where we need to be. So I think it's a couple of things. Um, specifically on the housing issue, we do like to, you know, we like to do bonds and um, raise money specifically for affordable housing. And I'm in favor of that. Um, but as uh, Tark said, uh, that's not going to do enough. Um, and what we, one of the things that we can do is dramatically streamline the planning process. One of the things I've talked to a lot of folks who are actually responsible for building housing and uh, the way that we run our planning process now where there's multiple chances for the city to change its mind and come back with new requests. Um, that's driven a lot of smaller developers, the types of developers who might build, you know, um, the small, the single family housing that we need for middle income families, or even sort of the, the smaller quadruplexes and duplexes and things like that, that are affordable. Um, they've, they've been driven out of the market. I've been told so many times that, um, smaller developers just ha don't do business here in Charlotte. So we can really streamline that within the city of Charlotte, be more efficient. I think that's really important. But secondarily, and this is really my expertise, um, this is what I've done um, over the last two or three years, is we need to create, a, I've done this professionally, and we need to create a better ecosystem for sustainable um, job growth, especially at the entry level and low and middle income jobs we we talk about projects every once in a while we're a net launch a, a, like a big fancy initiative you know uh spending x million of dollars to try to support workforce development or whatever the case may be i don't think we really think strategically about how we can support if you're a if you're a small business especially if you're a, a, per, a person of color or any other minority what we don't often see here in charlotte is there's so many steps along the way where as an entrepreneur you can falter and fail, right? Do you have access to a good lawyer? Do you have access to the right uh, financial counsel? Do you have access to the capital at that crucial moment when you're expanding from one location with your business to multiple others? Um, and my experience has been many times, those type, that type of assistance is just not available for many folks in Charlotte. So when we talk about long-term, how do we get people to a position where they actually can um, afford the housing that's here in the city, it's really two things. We've got to one, really streamline the process so we can increase the supply. We can't just keep borrowing money and hoping to frantically throw up enough, um, you know, enough subsidies to get housing ready. And then two, we really have to improve the ecosystem. Um, on your website, you talk about how, how the current city council looks out for one thing themselves. They're more interested in uh -huh. promotion than working. Uh, if you go to work with some of these folks, assuming some of them are still gonna be there, um, sure. how do you have a functional relationship if, if this is how you feel about them? It's not, it's not personal. So um, at the end of the day, I, I wanna represent the people of Charlotte. So um, there's always a way to have a professional relationship, even if you feel like someone might have um, some ulterior motives. That's my message to the people. In reality, when I'm in council, we all have to, we all have to work together to, to, and so I'll give people the benefit of the doubt if they can prove to me that, you know, they're really interested in what's uh, best for the city. All right, finally, um, the best thing about Charlotte and the one thing about Charlotte that drives you crazy. Uh, the best thing about Charlotte is that um, we do have this opportunity. 
to be uh, multicultural and um, really have, I mean, there's so many cool things that happen beneath the surface here in Charlotte that I don't think get covered enough. Like if you go to the east side, that is an area of town that is just full of life and you can go and find that. It's not all just in South End. And I think the thing that um, drives me crazy is that sometimes I do think that we are a little bit small town in our thinking. We are we have a little bit of an inferiority complex and don't always recognize the great things that this city can accomplish. And like I said, I've lived here my entire life. I believe we are one of the top cities in the entire country. Um, but I think we need to be willing to grab for that. And that's why I'm running for city council. All right, we'll end it there, Charlie Mulligan. Looking to increase the number of Republicans on council from, from two to, to at least three or maybe more than that. All right, Charlie, thank you, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Folks, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. And we'll see you back here next weekend for Flashpoint.